This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Hey, thanks for starting the weekend right here. It is going to be a fun show. We'll get you ready for the Oilers and the Maple Leafs tomorrow. My oh my, did you know the Leafs have won six consecutive games against the Oilers. See, I just I told you it was going to be a fun show, and I just gave you some downer information. The Oilers will try to uh, snap that slump tomorrow. 3.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Ched. The game will start at 5. Just two NHL games this evening. Golden Knights and Stars about to get underway in an hour. It's the Devils and the Avalanche. 7 o'clock start at Rogers Place tonight. Your Edmonton Oil Kings taking on the Swift Current Broncos. We will bring you one of the best voices in the NHL in half an hour. Joe Bowen from the Leafs broadcast booth. Uh, legendary local figure skater Caitlin Osmond is going to be on the show and at 7.30 tonight I hope you stick around for this Ricky Ray, four-time Grey Cup champion. We'll check in. We'll see what he has been up to. And, of course, he will have some thoughts on the new head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, Scott Milanovic. Ray enjoyed playing for him with the Argos. The Oilers practicing this afternoon after another loss. They have dropped three in a row, 0-2-1 over that span. 6-5. They were defeated by the Minnesota Wild last night. Head coach Dave Tippett with some comments after practice. All year long, we've embraced the process of learning whether we won three in a row or whether you know this is the first time we've lost three in a row. So you're still you're still doing a lot of the same things, but when you lose, you there's extra emphasis put on certain things that you want to make sure are the things you take care of that made you lose. So, but even you know, like I mentioned, there were some games early in the year we were doing some things that I thought if we did them, if we played another game just like that game we won, we would lose. So you address them then too, you know. So it's a, it's a process every day. You go through it and you, you analyze your team, where we're at, different parts of our game that need to improve and different parts of our game that we need to accentuate. And then there's parts of our game that I think we still have to evolve into, that, that, uh, that our group is, they're growing, but we're not, we're not there yet. So it's uh, every day you're looking at all the good, bad, ugly, confused, Real good stuff. It's all on the board. Goaltending, very good for the Oilers earlier in the season. Not as good lately, especially Mike Smith. He's really struggled for over a month now. And last night, six goals on 26 shots against the Wild. He was asked about his play. As of late, it hasn't gone as well as you know, you'd, you'd hoped. Um, 
obviously going back and forth is a little more challenging. But um, saying that, I think you know the goalies have played pretty solid for the majority of the season. It's been uh, you know last couple of games hasn't you know hasn't gone exactly the way you want it. You let in six, you're not real pleased with your game. But you look back at the tape, there's some you know some world-class shots there that go in. And sometimes they hit you, and sometimes they don't. And last night they didn't. So. Um, just stay positive and keep working, and, and when you get another chance to play, you, you go in there and hopefully give your team a chance to win. Now, Miko Koskinen is the expected starter tomorrow against Toronto. Dreisaitl and McDavid expected to start the game on the same line. They haven't done that for the last few, but they were lined up that way at practice. Joachim Nygaard did not practice today, but uh, Dave Tippett says we'll see if he's able to go tomorrow. All right, there's your Coles notes for the Oilers. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's 10 after 6. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight and our weekly guest, former NHL goaltender, now with the NHL on Rogers, Kelly Rudy. Kelly, good to talk to you. How's it going? Uh, very well. Thanks, Reed. Uh, thanks for delaying my uh, opportunity to go on the air with you Wednesday. I ended up being under the weather. In fact, uh, I don't know if you're aware of it because you had the Oilers game, but uh, I had to cancel my broadcast last night. So Cassie Campbell, Cass, or, uh, Cassie Campbell Pascal had to fill in for me. So I sat in my big comfy chair watching the Oilers and the Flames last night, and uh, it felt weird and it felt strange and I was guilty not not to broadcasting but I just couldn't get out of bed basically well we're glad you're off the DL and uh and yeah. with us tonight and uh yeah I did see that uh yeah you had to miss a game yesterday so I, I I mean I've been through stuff like that so you know it's pretty bad when you have yeah. to sit one out uh I, I I said this afternoon Kelly when we got in touch I said I'm gonna leave you on hold for the start of the show because I want to play a couple clips for you from after Oilers practice I know you're always interested in what Mike Smith has to say you covered him for the last couple of years with the Flames and uh, you know obviously Dave Tippett I thought a really interesting clip about hey it's not like I wasn't teaching and expecting guys to learn when we were seven one and one that that's an ongoing process well you know I I found uh, Tippett's comments really interesting in a good way because and I liked his tone most of all because it wasn't you know attacking he wasn't I'm sure there's some frustration there but you could never tell from his tone and I like that Uh, and you know I just loved it how he was basically talking about what sort of things you have to go through in a season there's good bad ugly and i like the word confused or confusing i mean i've lived all those things i've gone through all those scenarios and all those emotions and you know some of our better years uh we had were when we had really highs and lows and you look at uh, tampa last year did any of us really think that we well no none of us knew they were going to get swept in the first round but I was concerned about them for a long time because they never had any adversity whatsoever. So I don't know if the Oilers are going to come out of this tomorrow, but I'm not that concerned. Uh, it's always a little bit worrisome, but, you know, you, you, you always have to go through that. And who knows what, what makes you go into a little stretch like that where everybody's off and mentally they're making a lot of mistakes last night and what I watched. But then something gets you out of that, and all of a sudden you really start playing for each other. You trust each other. There's uh, this poise that starts to happen. And the last thing you want to be is on you know, a 22 and 0 stretch at this time of the year because that doesn't win you anything, right? It's, it's when the games get really tough in January, February, and March. That tells you everything about your team. Well, I, I, you're not the first person to, to tell me that this week as the Oilers have faced some tough times. Having said that, you don't want it to go on for too long. And, and you know what it's like in Edmonton. The team's been out of the playoffs 12 of 13 years. 
a really, really bad team for, for some of those years. Last year around this time, the Oilers had 18 wins and uh, and then lost six in a row and all of a sudden it was back to 500 and then sinking right. below 500 and dropping out of the playoff race. So there's obvious concern uh, with the fan base that this is going to happen again. What is your level of concern that we're, we're doing this in three weeks and all of a sudden we're talking about an Oilers team that has you know, gone from second to fifth or sixth in the division? Well, if I had something that's... Uh maybe more worrisome than something. It's some of the scores. I mean, they're giving up a lot of goals. And so it's really easy to look at Mike Smith and Costin and say, you know, these two guys have to be better because uh, that's a that's an easy comment to make, right? They just haven't been very good. So those two guys got to figure it out. But, you know, some of the decisions, and Drew Remenda, uh, I think it was on the second goal by Minnesota last night, he talked about in the Zucker goal where uh, – Kara had a chance to get the puck deep in the offensive zone. I think there's like 22 mm-hmm. seconds left on the clock. And he tries to make a pass through the middle. Now, planted it's in the offensive zone, but he's trying to make a pass to Archibald. All of a sudden, it's intercepted, and about five seconds later, it's in the net. So I understand you've got to try and make plays, and even though you're a fourth liner, you know, you still want to be involved in the offense. It makes you feel good and unique contributions, secondary scoring, all that kind of stuff. But with 22 seconds left on the clock, you've had an okay period. Why not just put the puck in deep? And and then everything's fine, right? And so and I believe Drew also said something like, I think you know, I was going back and forth in the games, he said Kara might have had five of those plays that were similar to that in the first period. So that has to be eliminated. But the, the good thing about all that, Reed, that's easy, right? Just remind guys good habits, here's what you do. It's not like you're asking him to uh, think the game like Wayne Gretzky. That's not going to happen. That's okay. But just to remind them, here's what we do. Good habits, 22 seconds left in the first period. Yeah, it'd be nice to make a play and go up to one, but also it's a smarter play if we get pucks deep. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Okay, we mentioned the goaltending, uh, and it, you, I mean it is more than goaltending. But but I mean Smith didn't really, I didn't think, stop a great A chance last night. The no. previous game they gave up six to Carolina, uh, including the Dougie Hamilton shot from center. So you're yeah. a former goaltender. Uh, I know an odd one snuck by you. Did you ever have a guy oh, yeah. do that? Do that to oh, you yeah. from center, or try some kind of funny shot that uh, you had to react to? Well. I think every goaltender that played a, uh, a bunch of games in the National Hockey League, whenever we have to talk about this, our mind will go back pretty vividly to a number of cases where we gave up some just awful goals. Now, in this one, when I heard about it first, and then I, I went to NHL.com and I saw the headline, I'm thinking, well, surely Dougie Hamilton fooled him, and Costner was thinking that he's just going to rim the puck around the boards, and he got caught halfway between the net and and behind the net. And what puzzled me is when I started to watch it, like, how did that happen? Like, he wasn't he wasn't fooled. He didn't think the puck was being rimmed around. I thought, did it bounce on him? Did it hit somebody? And, and I didn't see any of that. And I watched it, uh, I think, three more times today between the airport and the hotel. And I didn't see a deflection. Even a minor one shouldn't cause that. So what I thought about is that he's already – lost his focus. He's already so mad at himself or so disappointed in himself that he's already given up five at that point. And and he can't get his 
bringing others that loop going round and round and round and blaming himself. And I'm not going to do this again. And I got to be better. And my teammate, all those things that you tell yourself. Then next thing you know, a guy wires one from center, and and now you're really embarrassed, and now you're really mad at yourself. And again, that's something that's correctable. That's that's nothing more than focus. You could shoot. 500,000 shots at them between today and the end of the year and from that same area and not one would get by him. So that that just tells you where his mind was during the game. Okay. Leafs, Flames. Uh, Leafs are here tomorrow. The Flames have uh, jumped up into a tie with the Oilers for second in the division. Uh, just give me a little bit on that game last night and how the Flames have been able to go. Is it, is it 7-0 under Ward? They haven't lost a game yep. under Ward? Yeah, and uh, what you're really going to notice about them is that uh, they're really dependable. They rely on each other. They're demanding. They expect uh, they have high expectations of each other and themselves individually, and they're playing loose. Uh, they play with a lot of poise. So when Toronto went up yesterday 2-1, beautiful goal by Marner, and they held that lead until early in the third. Uh, and this, this uh, Flames team, they just didn't panic whatsoever. And, and you know, it, it's interesting watching them because I was around when the Bill – Peter's incident was going on, and, and just prior to that, and it looked like a team that was really uptight. And Johnny Goodrow wasn't playing well, Monaghan wasn't playing well, even uh, Mark Giordano wasn't playing nearly as well. All of a sudden, you make the change. Uh, Monaghan is on, on an eight-game point streak. Street. Uh, Giordano is playing like he did last year when he won the Norris, and he, and he even kind of talked about it. And so did uh, Jeff Ward, but he was trying way too hard. I mean, he wanted to make everything right every single shift. And you can't play that way. And now all of a sudden, Jordano's playing extremely well. Johnny's getting hotter. So you're going to like watching, uh, uh, well, I don't know if you'll have a chance tomorrow, but uh, they play tomorrow at home. And they're just, they look like a team that really, they're really enjoying uh, coming to the rink. All right. I got one more for you, Kelly. Um just want your, your raw and honest reaction here. There, uh, Look, there are going to be a lot of Leafs fans here tomorrow, Montreal's coming next weekend. Um, you know, there's always a good contingent of Calgary fans when the games are in Edmonton and vice versa yeah. when they're in Calgary. When you played, did you ever have, like, was there a visiting fan base where you just thought, like, are you serious? Where, like, this, this, these are all these, like, you played Montreal in the Stanley Cup final. You played in California, which would bring Canadians down in the winter. Yeah. Maybe to yeah. watch. Like, did you ever have that, like, are, are you oh, serious? Yeah. I can't stand all these visiting fans. <laughs> yes. And it was always Toronto and Montreal. Right. But, you know, you could get fans from the other Canadian cities, but it wouldn't be that bad. And they just didn't seem to have. Uh, the arrogance or whatever you want to call it. And so even my wife and I were watching the uh, game last night, and uh, she goes, can you believe all these fans are, are cheering here for Toronto? She goes, would that bug you? I go, yeah, it bugs me. <laughs> like, this is my home building, and I want uh, the majority of them to be cheering for my team. But you also, on the other hand, you do get it, right? Those are uh, uh, you know, storied franchises and uh, you know, that, that goes a long way, and it does go a long way to me, too. Like, when I used to go into places like New York City or Chicago, original six cities, that really meant a lot to me, so I do get it on the other hand. All right. Kelly, great to have you on the show. Glad you're feeling better. Of course, we'll do this next week, uh, leading into Christmas. Should be a fun day tomorrow, man. Enjoy all the games. You got it. Thanks, bud. 
That is Kelly Rudy feeling better after a couple days on the DL. Had to uh, postpone his Wednesday appearance on Inside Sports. Wasn't able to do the Flames game last night against the Leafs, but uh, sounding great tonight on Inside Sports. It is 621. If you have anything you would like to chime in on, uh, probably Oilers related, I would guess, given their uh, recent little slide. But, of course, the Eskimos have a new coach as well. The number to both call and text, 780-496-0063. We're back after the break. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. A reminder tomorrow for the Oilers and Leafs the 50 50 is not a 50 50. The winner of the draw will take home 65% of the total pot. It is the super split Saturdays where the winner gets more than half. Tomorrow it is 65%. New Year's Eve against the Rangers, the 50-50s carried over. It's going to start at $116,000. That's a lot of money. Yakishev texts in, he says, Reed, I heard that in the last 19 games, the Oilers are tied for 30th place in the NHL in goals against. Uh, I quickly sorted that for you, Yakishev. They, they are actually 30th. Since the uh, Mike Smith legendary performance against Pittsburgh, the Oilers have played 19 games. They have allowed 67 goals. In that span, only Detroit has allowed more. So that tells you why the Oilers are not doing as well. Mike is calling in. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, I just have a question. Do we, are we at the same record right now as we did last year? Uh, no, it's off by a point. By a point. Uh, more or less? Uh, they have a point more right now. Okay, so what do you think? They, I think I'll be looking for like another goaltender, or do you think they're going to be looking for another defensive? Oh, I think if well, I, I think the first thing they'd like to add is somebody who could be like that could give them more of an actual third line. Quite frankly, I you think getting another goaltender that's going to be tough. I mean, there aren't a lot of goalies out there that are available. I, I think if Holland makes a move, and I do not think he's going to make one this month, I think they'll try to get something that can give them some semblance of a third line, Mike. I don't think the Oilers have a true third line. I think they have two fourth lines. Yeah, I don't think Smith is as good as he used to be. He's getting up there in age. But Kostin, I think he's good, but he needs like three days rest to four days rest between games. And once he does that, he's he's like unreal. Well, and that's the concern, right? And that's why they brought in Smith. But Smith's last month hasn't been hasn't been very good. So that's that's. I mean, really, I think Koskinen. There might be three games where you say he wasn't very good. The bad thing yeah. for him is it's two of his last three starts. So that's why there's concern. But I mean, he's been quite good overall. Well, he's been great overall. But so all the whole season, uh, they've been giving him like like rest, like yep. three days, four days rest between games, everything else. And then he, he's been doing really good. All I noticed is when they were doing back-to-back games, he had like a two-day rest. He wasn't as sharp the second game, but he still did good. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks, bye. 780-496-0063, the number to both call and text. We will get the inside story on the Leafs, talk a little bit about the impact of the coaching change on the club. Joe Bowen, their play-by-play voice when we get back. I'm not 
another right hand by Brown. LeFave gets an uppercut. Down goes Brown! Down goes Brown! And LeFave leaves him there. TKO. Robbie Brown down like he was shot. It is the down goes Brown. From 1992, Joe Bowen from the Leafs broadcast booth with that call. It was uh, when Rob Brown played for Chicago. Sylvain Lefebvre of the uh, Maple Leafs. Joe Bowen's going to join us on the show in a couple of minutes. NHL tonight. Only one game underway. Nine minutes in. No score between the Golden Knights and the Stars. Later on, the Devils will play the Avalanche. Oilers, Leafs tomorrow. Oilers winless in three. Here's Dave Tippett. I mean, there's some issues that we've, uh, we're giving up some chances that are, we're not giving up a lot of chances, but the ones that we are have been real good ones. Uh, you know, I look at the game last night, there was some, there was some thinking. There's ones that we can just take out of our game just by managing the game a little better. And then there's other ones that are just missed assignments. So those are both, we can address both of those. That being said, I thought we generated more last night with, you know, where there's some different things we're trying to do to help us uh, get a little more pressure in the game, play a little more time in the offensive zone. And I think we accomplished a lot of those things last night. We just didn't win. So now you got to get those things to where you're a winning formula, not a one where you're chasing the game. All right, a little bit there from Dave Tippett. You'll hear more from him throughout Inside Sports. I'm with you till 8 o'clock. Remember, Ricky Ray joining us after the 7.30 news to tell you a little bit more about the new head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, Scott Milanovic. James writes in to 780-496-0063, says third line, read their second line is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. That's it. That is from James. Well, James, I, I agree with you. Fair point. Um... The Oilers' second line, and it was like this last year as well, is kind of Ryan Nugent Hopkins and whatever other two wingers they think are going well or might be the flavor of the day to to try and do something with Nugent Hopkins. Um, you know, a lot of discussion about Ken Holland's work with the Oilers. What has he done? Uh, I think he improved the depth, but by the depth, I mean the deep depth, the fourth-line guys. I think last year the Oilers had eight or nine fourth or fifth line forwards. Like they had some fourth line NHLers and some AHLers. I think this year they probably have, well, maybe they even have two and a half fourth lines. And then they're just trying to find other guys who can play well enough on any given day to fill in on the second line or be on the third line. No, that, that's fair what you say, James. You know, James Neal is interesting. He's not a great five-on-five player. Had a good game last night. Yeah, I don't know if I'd really call James Neal a fourth liner. I don't really know if he's a second liner at this point in his career. He's certainly still a presence on the power play. And his hands are still there. He doesn't move very well. Uh, I mean, maybe you know, maybe ideally James Neal's on your third line. In a perfect world, not your second line. But, uh, yeah, you're right, James. Uh, I mean, this if you look at the skill level on other teams and players who can finish and, and make good passes and, and make good shots, most teams have better forwards on in their top six than the Oilers do. Now, how the Oilers are, are getting by is that the two top guys on their top line are outstanding, leading the league in scoring. But, yes, I mean, this is this is far from a ideally structured forward core. Uh, again, I think 
Holland looked and said, okay, I need some experience on the third and fourth lines, and he needed penalty killing. And except for the disaster against Carolina, the penalty killers have done very well. But, yeah, I mean, there's still a ways to, for the Oilers to go here, folks. I mean, this even if they make the playoffs, this, this is not a team that is built to win the Stanley Cup. And, again, before the season, I, I did not pick them to make the playoffs. They're still in a good position right now, but they got to stop this bleeding. You can't give away the entire 7-1-1 one, one start to the season. You can always text 780-496-0063. He is the play-by-play voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, one of the most recognizable voices in hockey. It is Joe Bowen. Joe, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? We're doing fine, thanks very much, although I'm glad I'm indoors and I don't have to walk anymore. The JW Marriott is a wonderful spot that you have here. That's right. Did you even have to go outside to get to the rink? I don't think you do. No, I did not, and I was glad I didn't have to. She's a little chilly out there today. Yeah, we saved uh, probably the worst weather of the winter so far just for the Maple Leafs visit, Joe. That's the, that's Western hospitality. <laughs> we'll get that when we get home, too, so it's uh, it turnaround's fair play, I guess. <laughs> Uh, good to have you on the show. I, I got to start by going down memory lane a little bit. Uh, I, of course, I, I work on our uh, pre and post game show with Rob Brown, and I always say about Rob, he had 14 NHL fights. He went 13 and one, but everybody remembers the one he lost. And the phrase that you coined, Joe, the oh. down goes Brown. <laughs> well, then, then now somebody has actually uh, stole it and utilizes it as a. Uh, uh, Twitter account or uh, some uh, blog account. So uh, I guess it was. But, uh, well, that's exactly what happened. Uh, uh, that was uh, kind of a, a one-sided uh, go-round, and Robbie took it right on the chin. <laughs> and you never would have thought at the time we'd still be talking about it, uh, what, over two decades later, I guess? <laughs> well, yeah, well, there's not an awful lot of fighting in the league anymore. So I guess... Some of these things are going to be more archival than anything. As a play-by-play guy, do you do you enjoy calling fights? I mean, we got Jack Michaels here, and he can he can really get into it. Did you work on your fight call over the years, or did you just sort of roll with it as the fights happened? Well, you know, I guess I mean you, you roll with it. But when I when I moved to Halifax, I got very much involved in the the boxing community out there, and. Uh, uh, just a couple of days ago was the anniversary of Muhammad Ali's last fight, and it was Nassau in the Bahamas, and Trevor Burbick, the Canadian heavyweight champion, uh, fought Ali, and I did that fight. And I also did Trevor's fight against Larry Holmes for the heavyweight championship, which he lost on a decision uh, in Las Vegas. So um, I- I've always said I-, I always enjoyed the hockey fights, and I was just thankful that I wasn't in any of them. Um, so I, I think that's a lot safer and uh, a lot more enjoyable. I, I, I can't imagine sitting there taking about four or five off the noodle and thinking that was a hell of a way to do things, but uh, that was the way it worked back then. Well, and I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up with the boxing because anybody who's done any extensive play-by-play or really broadcasting, they, they've done they've done other things, right? It's not always all hockey or all football or all soccer, depending on where your career takes you. You know, speaking of Jack Michaels, he told a great story on this show a couple of years ago that when he was a young broadcaster, he went to his county fair and had to call an ostrich race, like they actually had two oh. ostriches racing each other well, like, why, why wouldn't you <laughs> yeah why wouldn't you right who doesn't want to see who's a faster well, you, you want to have more than one ostrich if it's a race 
Oh, I think there were two. Yeah, I think there were two. Well, there, sure. Well, yeah, now it's a race, yes. <laughs> so do you have something you did in the past that you look back on and say, yeah, it made sense at the time, but, man, that was that was weird. <laughs> oh, boy. We, we froze our petunias off doing downhill skiing for the uh, Inco Cup in Sudbury. Uh, Little League Baseball, uh, Lacrosse. I, I really enjoyed doing uh, the Toronto Rock games and, uh, uh, and, and, and the National Lacrosse League action was uh, a real treat to do. Um, I don't know if I've had anything. I mean, I did curling. We did, we did all, everything back in the day. And, you, uh, you know, you just pressed on. And I was uh, to get a paycheck at the end of the week. Yeah, that's, that always helps. Joe Bowen joining us at Inside Sports. Leafs and Oilers tomorrow. They'll drop the puck at 5 o'clock at Rogers Place. Well, uh, I guess a few storylines around the Maple Leafs this season, Joe. Let's start with, with the big one. How is this team different w- without Mike Babcock around? Or, or maybe they aren't. What can you say about that? Well, I mean, I think what we did see initially and and probably still are seeing is that they are much lighter. They're much more confident, I think, and smiles are on their faces. Um, I I think there was a a lot of pressure being exerted by Mike uh, and having seen uh, coaches who were uh, struggling and then the rumor mill starts, um, they, they apply the pressure. And certainly Mike Babcock's been around a long time and, and certainly knew how to do that. And I think that once uh, Sheldon Keefe arrived on the scene, um, a weight had been lifted. And I think we saw some uh, positive signs uh, come from that change. Now, their record um, is not, you know, it hasn't gone off the way they have in Calgary, uh, rattling off six or seven wins in a row. But having said that, uh, I think that the team is, is probably playing better hockey at this particular point. You know, here in Edmonton, you got two guys who get a ton of points, and then there are some question marks. Uh, is the team deep enough? Can they prevent enough goals? Certainly lately, the Oilers in goal prevention have not done well at all. W- what are some of the, the key storylines for the Leafs? I mean, obviously there's some high-end firepower there as well. I- is the rest of the roster, you know, up to snuff? What do you say about that? Well, it, it, it's the new NHL. Um, you can't have uh, a, a, a real deep roster if you're going to pay uh, your top-end players a lot of money. And uh, the Leafs have two uh, very, very good lines. And after that, it's mix and match and hope that you get some production out of them. Uh, and maybe even more so, hoping that you don't get any negative uh, things coming out of them. Um, so having said that, I think that that's, uh, we're probably in the exact same boat that the Oilers find themselves. And the, the Matthews line is uh, uh, top-heavy, and so is the Tavares line. And, uh, uh, you know, both coaches, Babcock and Keith, have found it a, a necessity to load up those two lines uh, and then hope and pray that your third and fourth line uh, aren't a, a situation for you. So... Um, it is difficult, and it, uh, their defense, uh, they can score goals, obviously. Uh, keeping them out of the net is the other aspect, and that is a, a problem that they're probably not going to be able to fix until some cap relief arrives uh, in the future years. But right now, it's kind of hang on and hope you can outscore the, op- uh, the opposition. 
Uh, man, yeah, I hear you there. That, cause that, I mean, tomorrow the, should be tomorrow should be just a track meet. <laughs> I mean, this could be really a lot of fun to watch. I think. Well, I, I hope so. I mean, the Leafs have done well here lately. Uh, they did everything in their power to blow a three-goal lead in the last three minutes last year. You might remember that. The Oilers got a couple, then yes. Cassian had a breakaway to tie it, I think with about 40 seconds left, but uh, but he wasn't able to, to, to get the goal. Yeah, and it's always, you know, it's always fun. When, when the Leafs play other Canadian teams, or, or you know, when, other, when, when Canadian teams play each other, it, it's always interesting. I was asking a couple of the Oilers players today about playing against, you know, Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, where it's a different vibe. What are the did the Leafs players get into that coming to Western Canada? I mean, I know not all the players are are Canadian, but is this trip even for the players something they say? Oh yeah, it's always fun to go to those cities. Well, I, I think certainly the new players find that it's so unique to to have as many Leaf fans in the building and and have the uh, soccer like atmosphere in the building where they are. Uh, uh, chanting against one another, and I think that's a lot of fun. Um, we really aren't what you would say to be Canada's team. They got uh, four guys from British Columbia. Uh, the only person from Alberta is Willie Nylander, and he left when he was three. Uh, we don't have anybody from Manitoba or Saskatchewan on the team, and we've got a, a wealth of players from Ontario. So um, in past years, uh, we would come out here and uh, Les and Elma Clark uh, would uh, give us the plight of the uh, Canadian farmer and what was going on in Saskatchewan. Uh, we always had some uh, uh, Alberta boys, but Bob McGill comes to mind very quickly, uh, Dion Phaneuf, of course. Um, so we, we always had a lot of uh, requests for tickets and a lot of family and friends in a lot of these buildings. But, I mean, Toronto is the largest city in Canada, and there are a lot of displaced Torontonians across this nation uh, and there are a lot of old-time hockey families that grew up when there were only two Canadian teams, uh, and uh, they've, uh, you know, maintained that loyalty. So having said that, um, uh, it's always been a, a big treat to come west uh, to see how the fans are and how it's uh, uh, divided within the rink. Um, and I know it'll be uh, an interesting night. It was a great contingent of Leaf Nation in both Vancouver and in Calgary, and I'm sure the same will be held here since they only come once a year. And, and when the Leafs were in the Western Conference, we are out here at least a couple of times. Yeah, it's too bad they couldn't find an extra meeting for, for Canadian teams, even if it was three times and you alternated who got the two home games. One more for you. This is going to be your fourth visit to Rogers Place. So you've, you've called three games here. How do you compare the broadcast location and sight lines Rogers Place to the old Northlands Coliseum? You're throwing a volleyball up, eh? You want me to spike this? I just, well, I just want to see if you're going to say what everybody else is saying. <laughs> it's the worst in the league. I can't believe that uh, that when they were building this building that they didn't have someone uh, in the television or radio industry at least have some input, I guess. Um, but it is, um, it, it is by far the longest uh, sight line from being away from the ice surface. And, 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 and the Euler uniforms are a little bit kind of three-dimensional, so it's, if you don't see them all the time, which obviously we don't, um, it's tough to, to, to make out exactly uh, who's got what where. But, um, hey, 
you know what? You do what you have to do. And uh, I noticed some of the local guys have found a way to get down a little lower, though. Is that not correct? Uh, well, Jack and Bob are slightly lower, and the uh, the TV yeah. the TV guys are on the concourse. They're they're quite a bit lower. Yeah. But you get to see yeah, so me. You get to see guess, me up top, Joe. I'm not the only one that has uh, pissed and moaned about this, but I don't see them helping us very much. <laughs> Joe, always great to have you on Inside Sports, man. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. You know what? With this going on, maybe next year they'll just get a, a, a bushel basket and lower me down from the rope uh, from the top so that we have a better sight line. Well, that I would like to see, Joe. Thanks for checking in tonight. That is Joe Poen, the play-by-play voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs. The down goes Brown started with him, but uh, he and Rob Brown get nothing from it. Hi, this is Mike Smith from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Ted. Well, the Oilers had a longer-than-usual on-ice meeting before practice really got going. Dave Tippett addressing the team. Goaltender Mike Smith tells you what he said. Just that we've done a lot of good things well. You know, we've, we've done a lot of things well, and, and, you know, there's parts of our game that on a consistent basis need to be better. And um, we're not going to sit here and, and, you know, be in a, a grump about it. I think we, we, we know what we need to do better. We know we, the, thing we, the thing we've done well... Um, in games that we've won, we need to take that and uh, use it as a as a motivator and and uh, and learn from the things that we we haven't done as well. So it's it's uh, you know we're not going to push the panic button here. We've done a lot of good things this part of the season, and uh, we got another good test tomorrow. So we want to you know snap out of it here. Mike Smith saying all the right things, saying very uh, calming things as the Oilers go through this little slump, 0-2 and one. Well, really, it's longer than that. They only have won what two of their last eight. They uh, were first place in the division for much of the season. They were tied with Arizona for a while. Now Arizona is two ahead. Calgary has won seven straight. They and the Oilers both with 40 points. We had Joe Bowen on the show from the Maple Leafs broadcast booth. Mark writes in, he says, "Uh, Reed, can you play the call of Down Goes Brown? Well, we played it at the start of the interview, Mark, Mark, but if if you missed it, I feel you. So, yes, I will play it again. Another right hand by Brown. LeBay gets an uppercut. Down goes Brown! Down goes Brown! And LaFave leaves him there! TKO! Robbie Brown down! Like he was shot! Well, there it is. I will not play that when Rob Brown's around. Like I said, 14 NHL fights for Rob, won 13 of them. People only remember that one. And I was watching the video today. He gets up quite quickly. It's not as if Rob was a little puddle of weakness on the ice. Like It's not like you know he was reduced to a little smoldering ball of ash, smoldering pile of ash, you know? Like when you shoot something in a video game and they just evaporate. He got knocked down. He kind of took a second. He got up and he skated off the ice. It's not like he was bleeding profusely and his career ended. He was fine. He just took a punch and got knocked down. But that's, but unfortunately, one of the things he's most remembered for. (laughs) Got to stick up for my buddy. Phil in Stony Plain. Phil, how are things in Stony? 
He says there's one guy that has the tools to really turn this team around, and that's Ken Holland. This is Phil texting 780-496-0063. Phil goes on to write, he did great things for the team during the offseason. It's now time to look at what has happened since. If we really look at what has happened since the great start to the season, the turning point was when we got beat badly in Los Angeles. What changed with that game? The return of Adam Larson. Not saying that Adam is a bad player. However, prior to then, all our defense were hungry. The veterans fighting to keep spots. The prospects seeing opportunity to become regulars. Once Larson returned, that hunger was gone. That being said, Holland now has trade bait in Larson as well as Pugliarvi. What do the Oilers need most? Not a third-line center, but a second-line winger. Based on this line of thinking, I see no reason why the Oilers can't have Taylor Hall on our roster by Christmas. That is Phil from Stony Plain. Phil, I appreciate that. Well, I see a reason they can't have Taylor Hall on their roster by Christmas, and that's called the salary cap. You're going to have to trade out $6 million to get Hall. Uh, Phil, I'll tell you what, if you're, if you're right and Taylor Hall's an order by Christmas, I owe you some northern chicken. Because I, I still, I, I personally, I still don't see him becoming an oiler. That, that is just my line of thinking. Uh, I still think there are some defensemen who pretty, are pretty hungry. Um, I, I would say Caleb Jones is hungry. I think Ethan Bear is still hungry. That was probably Ethan Bear's worst game in the NHL last night. So if you're talking about a rookie coming up on the halfway point of the season and this is the first time he's really had a tough night, that's not too bad. Here's the thing about Larson. I, th- I think Larson is a very solid defenseman. I-, I think he's strong. I think he stops the psycho well. Bob and I talked about this about a month ago on the Faceoff Show. And this is, this is the, one of the big transformations in the NHL. Defensemen like Adam Larson, I, I think there will still always be a place for in the NHL. But even since he was acquired for Taylor Hall, the game has gotten faster. Defensemen have come into the league who can really wheel, like Haskinen in Dallas, like McCarr in Colorado, whatever Byram's going to be in Colorado. Play, players like that, I know I'm missing a whole bunch of guys. Gerard Shabbat can go down the list. Defensemen like that who can just really fly and move the puck. And so I don't think defensemen like Adam Larson are ever going to be drafted, you know, in the top five or ten anymore because the speed and the puck skills aren't there. Uh, I mean, we were talking about the Oilers having three fourth lines. Maybe right now they have they have two third-pairing defense pairings, and that's a little bit of a problem as well. We will take a quick timeout. Kaylin Osmond, one of the most decorated Canadian figure skaters of all time, is coming up, and Ricky Ray at 7.30. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.